A-L-T-C-O-M-I-C-S. All right, so hey, here we are at the Alternative Press Expo in San Jose, California, and we are here with two special guests. We've got Bruce Simon and Mark Badger. If you guys want to introduce yourselves, tell us what you do. Hi, I'm Mark Badger. I uh, spend most of my time working on anti-Trump phone banks to save healthcare. <laughs> in my spare time, I draw funny books. Um, I've just finished an adaption of Julius Caesar. And I have a book on drawing comics and meditation to keep yourself sane while drawing comics called Just Draw. And I do a series of abstract comics uh, sort of based on the Jack Kirby's work, calling Jack Kirby. And I, I, we come and show for the Jack Kirby Museum while we're at these shows, too. And I'm Bruce Simon. In many, many, many years ago, I drew for the Underground Comics Press was a legend in my own time and these days i i have uh, a business called kenny video vintage television and i also come out and chill for the jack kirby museum whenever i can okay so you want to talk about jack kirby i could talk about jack kirby all day so could we but so we're born we. at jack kirby he really jack was kirby. he was really overrated but now you actually knew jack Yes, I met Jack in 1969, uh, soon after he moved out from New York to uh, Southern California. Uh, he'd come out uh, because he, uh, for one reason, for one of his daughter's health, and the second reason, he really wanted to get away from Marvel Comics. So, uh, he was a, I used to work for Marvel Mania International back then in 1969, which was Marvel's fan club and it was run by a, uh, a thief and a con man who never paid any of his artists or printers including Jack Kirby and I met Jack Kirby when he and his wife Roz came into the office one day and asked me to take all of Jack's original artwork off the walls and return them to him. <laughs> nice. So good, they were good very nice about, about it. Uh, yeah. Yes. Wow. But that's okay because they didn't hold it against me. I wasn't the boss. But uh, I got to know them, and uh, especially since uh, Mark Evanier and Steve Sherman, who also worked at Marvel Mania, soon quit Marvel Mania to become Jack's assistants for his uh, yeah. DC Comics run. You still uh, keep in touch with those guys? I, they've been my friends for 50 years. Wow. And I was just talking to Steve this morning. Oh, wow. Yes. Well, he was texting with Steve. Well, texting. That's, that's talking. That is he's, talking. He may be old, but he's modern. And so what's your Kirby connection, Mark? Um, well, I grew up on his work, you know, I mean, in, when I was 12 or something, I was reading New Gods on my bicycle going home because it was so amazing and rode a bike into a car, because, parked car at least, because uh, I was so enraptured with the story of the Deep Six, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Distracted driving. So I got, I, I mean, in a previous life, I drew comics in Marvel and DC, and I was doing superhero stuff. And when you're doing superhero stuff, you look at Jack's work to try and figure it out. Uh, up to that point in time, I probably thought, you know, my gods were Barry Smith and Bernie Wrightson and Walt Simon and 
Simonson and people like that. And you start looking at Jack's stuff to figure out how to do superheroes. And suddenly you go, oh, shit, he was really, really good. Even though, you know, like, when I was 16, I thought, oh, man, this guy can't draw for crap. And you go, oh, wait, he's a really good dressman. And then as you get older, you keep reading the comics and you go, he's still good to me now as an artist at almost 60 as he was at 16. So it's kind of just a deep love for his storytelling ability, his compositional skill, the dynamics of his drawing, and the wackiness and the humor in his drawing. So all of that combines. I'm, I'm sort of like the one person who every time someone on the internet complains about Goody Rickles, I stand up and say, comics need more Goody Rickles. Okay. You want to give people context for that? Or you want me to well, Goody, the, uh... Goody, Goody Rickles, and, and when Jack went to D.C., he took over Jimmy Olsen, um, Superman's pal comic book, and for some reason they had Don Rickles as a guest star, and they had some rights to do it. So Jack created a good... Verdon Rickles was an insult humorist who just was trashed people. And then Jack created the good version of him who was like a nice guy but sort of a schlump. Who ended up, did he save the day in it or not? Yeah. I don't even remember. Yeah, I don't even pretty, remember. He was, the, he, was, he was a nice version of, of... But so he was the nice version of Don who... Well, Don you know, in real life his, was like that. His stage persona was this jackass. Yeah. yeah. In real life, he was, you know, I've heard many people describe him as just one of the sweetest guys ever. Absolutely. And yeah. so it just, and it's just like this goofy, weird story with superheroes and guys getting blown up and stuff. And then there's this, you know, the, the evil or the good twin of the evil guy in the comic. And it was just, you know, it's just goofy. And there's all these pros all go, oh, it's just the worst comic ever. You're like, no, not true. No. Well, you're, you're just like, you just don't understand comics. That's well, your were, problem. Right. I, yeah, people who demand that their comics be serious all the time were really upset by dragging Don Rickles into the story, who was very big at the time. And as it turns out, I think Mark, Evan, Aaron, Steve Sherman secured the rights. They called his office and said, it, would this be all right? And I don't know. I think Rickles didn't see it until after it was printed. Uh, and and he was upset when he saw it, and and would disclaim it every time it was brought up. He was on uh, David Letterman's show, I believe, once, and David Letterman held one up and started to talk about it. And Don said, "Put that down." Oh yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Oh, man. I want to see that clip. Yeah, so we'll, we'll see if we can dig that up. It's out there somewhere, I'm sure. Yes. Um, so the Kirby Museum. Well, is this a place I can go to and, and see Kirby stuff? What's you going can go on to a twenty four seven online at kirbymuseum dot org. It's a digital museum with thousands of pages of Jack's uh, of copies of Jack's original pencils as well as finished inked pages, and you can look at it any time. And we look and we raise money for the Jack Kirby Museum through the sale of limited edition T shirts and books and things like that. Uh, to help fund the museum, fund pop-up events. For example, last month was Jack's 100th birthday, and to, to celebrate the centenary, there was a pop-up museum on the Lower East Side where he was born. So uh, that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I, I, you know, it would take obviously 
more than t-shirt sales to, to make it a, a real ongoing right. <laughs> yeah. place. But. Some royalties from the uh, Avengers movie might do it. But yeah. They also they did a, a pen and ink book. Is it pen and ink? Is that the name of it? There's some The Pencils and Inks one? Pencils and Inks did. book IDW did. is nice with, with the um, Kirby Museum. So there's one page is Jack's pencils and the next page is Mike Royer's inks on three of the first issues from DC Comics. And it's just sort of a spectacular education in good inking. Yeah. Which the world really needs now in these yeah. troubled times. Yeah. More, more good inking. <laughs> more good inking. <laughs> anyway, I, but, but the great thing about Jack is that uh, we're here at 8 which is the Alternative Press Expo and not at a mainstream comic book convention. And we probably get as big or bigger a response to Jack and his art at an indie convention like this as we do it as a straight one. So, so does More people know who Jack is here than do it at a superhero convention. Right. Even though he created half of what they're looking at. Yes. Right, but they respect the energy and the... And the kind of guy he was. Yeah, I don't know a comic artist who doesn't like Jack Kirby. Uh, Steven Serio, who I talked to a few weeks ago, does weird abstract poetry comics of smiling things. And never read comics when he was a kid, but got into Jack Kirby recently. Absolutely adores him. Um, you know, like Durf, who's here, loves Jack Kirby. Oh, oh. you can tell that Durf likes Jack oh, Kirby. Yeah, by it's his, obvious. Yes, it's really obvious by his artwork. But most of the underground cartoonists love Jack Kirby. Yeah. I think. Crumb uh, wasn't a big fan, but you know people like Kim Deitch was yeah. was very big on Marvel I did comics not know that. and told me once back in the seventies, Bruce, you know if, if I had my way, I would love to ink a Spider Man story. I said, really? <laughs> he goes, I would love to be an inker at Marvel, and and it just blew my mind because you that's know, far out. I, yeah, and that would make a great special issue. <laughs> Oh, that's so good. We're never going to top it. Okay. Yeah. Best, best okay. anecdote ever. Maybe we should just end now. And I don't think I've ever passed that on. But Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard that No, story. well... Kim's going to send me an angry email over this one if he no, listens he won't. in. Because he, in the mid-60s, as he was transitioning from fine art to comics, he was a massive Marvel fan. Okay. So and that, it, that helps, you know, spur him. To make the transition, along with Windsor McKay, he probably credit Jack uh, right up there with him. I don't think I think we always forget. I mean, well, we're old enough that we sort of know at one time you could only go to drugstores and buy comic books. But I remember that it's really easy to forget that how we had to buy comic books as a kid. And that there weren't things like this as a kid. You know, there was only Marvel and DC up till the undergrounds. I mean, there's Marvel, well, DC, and Archie, and Dow. And, yeah, but, okay. but comic books were ubiquitous in the culture. Yes. They were in every grocery store, drug store, five and dime store. You could pick them up anywhere. And most kids started buying comics when they were shopping with their parents. Yeah, yeah. The, the three pack from the 
Toys R Us or exactly, exactly, yeah. or Woolworths. Yeah, if anybody can remember Woolworths, they used to sell comics three in a bag. Okay, it's turned into a. T- I'm totally wrong. It's actually it's turned into a bunch it's of totally old men talking about <laughs> comics. <laughs> That's what this is. You know, talking about problems, and I'm sure many of you out there have them. I remember well, going so. to Bombs Newsroom in Schenectady, New York, with my dad when he was putting in his picks on there the ponies. You there you go. That's actually the way I got my comics. Seriously? Yeah, it was one of those places that would sell you the coverless ones for a nickel. Oh! Yeah. Yeah. That's where I started buying mine was coverless ones, too. I just bought a, a, a couple of artifacts from the 40s, containers that you would buy five comics for a dime in that I'm sure there were ripped cover copies huh. but they had actual somebody printed Packaging. boxes like a package of That's your good. favorite comics wow. Mar- marketing material for illegal distribution exactly comics. Yeah. absolutely brilliant I know I bought them as, as you know artifacts of a crime <laughs> yes indeed so what else can we tell you Mark uh, I don't know what, what else do you do in your life these days it's uh, in the cars I was talking about. I cars. get into my cars to drive home from here, and, that's, and so I'm definitely into cars. I, I end up talking to everyone about cars. I don't know why. I had Steve Laffler yesterday. He, he, he oh, draws he's a car guy. Amazing cars. He's yeah. a car guy. He's a car guy. My, my older guy. brother's a car I'm guy. I'm not a car guy. My car gets me from place to place. I'll talk I'm about like playing about traffic in Oakland and getting too much traffic in Oakland. I'm going to turn into one of those grumpy people. If, all these new people have ruined my town, made it busy. All right. That's my car. We're off the comics trail. Yeah, yeah. We, we should, go, we should go back, talk about Shakespeare. We can talk about Shakespeare. Yeah, let's talk about Shakespeare. What led you to do an adaptation of uh, Julius Caesar? It's actually, it's to go back to Jack, since everything springs from him. It was Rand Hoppy who said, who runs the Kirby Museum, sort of said, you should adapt Julius Caesar and use Jack's designs to do the characters. Oh, okay. He did design so, for a college production he had done a, of, yeah, he of done, Julius Caesar right. in the There's 60s. about ten sketches and characters. And so I started with that and thought, oh, this would be a great idea. And then was terrified to do Shakespeare because it's Shakespeare and Jack because it's Jack. And it, it took, you know, like a year just to work to that process and get into going, oh, my job is doing this is learn how to take audio where somebody is all about the speech and the rolling and the rhythms and the, the sound of this and break it down into readable little chunks and like construct stuff that's designed to be two people talking into sort of a more visual storytelling medium and like sort of really rethink how you tell a story when it's so much of it was put into the audio. So it was a it was a real sort of amazing challenge to get into Shakespeare. And I just kind of became just obsessed with it and said, I'm going to finish it, I'm going to finish it. A couple years later, I amazingly, I finished. Um, you know, but, but yet you never sent Shakespeare a check. And yeah. I never gave him a dime. <laughs> nope. And I mean, and I had to sort of rethink like, because Jack didn't do all the characters, and I didn't, I get, and I hadn't like looked at enough of Jack's like costume design at that point. And I spent the same time I was working on the whole thing into um, copying Jack's work, and now it's sort of like, oh, now I could take Jack's copy to costume design and really integrate into doing it because I now have enough of Jack's vocabulary in my hands. I didn't realize how little I had looked at Jack's work 
until I really started looking at it and trying to adapt and use it and like integrate his storytelling into what I did. I mean, it's funny because you think you're like looking at something and until you're really looking and drawing it, you don't look clearly. Right. Well, that's the difference between looking and seeing. Yeah. Which is the number one rule of drawing. Yes. Draw what you see. Well, well, no. <laughs> sort well, of. See, see what you draw. Don't just look. See. Or yes. think when you look. Or look before you cross the street. Yeah. Yes. So you'll see the car coming. <laughs> yes. Oh, we got the car in there. Woo! Okay. All right. There's your cars. Okay. There's the cars. <laughs> I think we're on to you, Bruce. What, what have you been up to? Uh, well, right now, I uh, recently, for the last maybe 10 years, have been doing uh, periodic essays for Mineshaft magazine, otherwise known as the Underground Cartoonist Old Age Home. Yeah, we, we carry that. It's okay. In our shop. Okay. And uh, it's a great magazine. Uh, I've done a number of illustrated essays on, on various pop cultural subjects like burlesque and uh, old television kiddie shows and sexology magazine and vaudeville comedians and uh, things like that. And uh, I've been working on a couple of subjects that I want to expand upon uh, beyond the three or four pages Mindshaft can offer and uh, do books of them. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm working on those. Once I figure out how to integrate images and words on a computer, I'll actually print them. <laughs> okay. It, it, is, it is doable. It is doable. It's, it's possible. It's yeah. possible. The technology Not probable. exists. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and the world will see. So and aside from that, I, then I have, you know, Kinney Video Vintage Television at www.kinneyvideo.net for the best in vintage television. <laughs> yes, indeed, folks. You heard it here first. Yes, sir. Over 1,500 volumes of the very best and rarest in vintage television, going back to 1948, the dawn of network television. Wow. Oh, I know. See? Yep. You're like, what the hell does that mean? And my, my mother worked in television for a long time at the oldest station in the nation, uh, WRGB. Is that right? In Schenectady? Channel 6 in Schenectady. See, yep. I knew that. I said that before he said it. Yep. You're amazing. I am amazing. You know, I, I grew up on the set of Bowling for Dollars. No kidding. Yeah, for real. See, he was born literally on the set. Yeah. And they had to clean the set so they could go on <laughs> with the show. Pretty much. Pretty nearly. After... We'll be after this message. We'll return to bowling for dollars. Yes. <laughs> oh. And let's say hi to little Mark Osano. Born yes. today. Born, born, born on this day. <laughs> Sell by this date, more like it. <laughs> okay, I better wrap it up. My daughter's running around. I see. But okay, thank you guys. This is again Bruce Simon, Mark Badger. And Mark Arsenault at the Alt Comics Podcast live event right here in the Kirby Museum booth at Alternative Press Expo 2017. Check, 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 check. One, two, three, check. Hey, we're here at the Alternative Press Expo in San Jose and talking to Durf. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing all right. Do you want to tell us uh, what it is you do? What it is I do? What do you do? I make comics. You make comics. How do you do that? How do I do? How do I make comics? I don't know. Yeah. Pen and a pen, piece of paper. Pen and a piece of paper. And a brain. And a brain. Do you yeah. script? Um, sometimes. Sometimes. Do you sometimes, thumbnail? Thumb. Yeah, I always thumbnail. You always thumbnail. Okay. But you know, sometimes I write just in thumbnail form. You know, I mean, words mm-hmm. and pictures together. Mm-hmm. 
And a, a couple books I've done a script first, but you know it really varies from project to project. Uh, what are you working on right now? Right now I'm working on a finishing up uh, um, a book with uh, the characters from my first book, which is Punk Rock and Trailer Parks. And then I just started a new book for Abrams, which I can't talk about. Can't talk. Top secret project. Top secret project. So the really big thing going on in your life right now is related to your cartooning, but it's not exactly comics, is it? Uh, the movie, yeah. 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 Uh, my what? friend Dahmer was turned into uh, was turned into a film, which will be out in November. Okay. And what's uh, kind of interesting experiences have you had related to that? <laughs> related recently? to my friend Dahmer. The, to the film, yeah. No, to the film. Um, or because of, I should say. Well, yeah, I was just in France for a film festival at a seaside five-star hotel. That was pretty interesting. That's um, kind of nice. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, beautiful hotel, except for those two little girls in the hallway that wanted me to come play with them forever <laughs> and ever. And um, funny bear-like friend. Yeah, right. Yes. Um, and, you know, you walk in the red carpet with movie stars, and it's totally crazy. I can't say that... It, that's something I really enjoy, but uh, it's an interesting new experience. So you're, you're kind of a jeans and t-shirt guy, right? Did you yeah, have to right, wear suits exactly. for these things, or do you just go... You know, I dress yeah. up a little and put a shirt with a collar anyway. Oh, okay. But, uh, you know, I mean, you're not going to compete with movie stars. Why even try? I mean, these guys spend more in a month on clothes than I spend in five years. Right. So no one wants to look at me anyway, so, you know, uh, in the red carpet, it's like, you know, get out of the way, kid. You know, we want to take pictures of the movie star. Who's this guy? And I'm fine with that. You know, that's perfectly okay with me. Um, comics fests are my thing, not not film fests. Right. Um, but it's a new experience, and I like those. So you know, it's it's fun. The movie debuted at uh, Tribeca. Oh, nice. So uh, yeah, I didn't see Robert De Niro or anything, but uh, you know, I got to hang out with movie stars. Was, he was probably watching you, though. You think? Yeah. I, I don't know where he was, but. Uh, it's quite a production, Tribeca. So, right. hmm. so I'm kind of curious about this. Have you gotten, you know, people reacting, say, badly to the Dahmer book? No, no, no. Nothing, nothing like that. You know, people read it; it sort of takes care of itself. Um, the people who object to it are people who haven't read it. You know, they right. just they object to it because they envision it's something that it's not. Mm. They think it's about the crimes, and in fact, it's not about the crimes. You know, it's the story before that story. Right. No violence in it at all, really. And uh, it's a creepy story, but, I mean, it's not the story you think it is. So, you know, that sort of takes care of itself. And it's piled up enough awards that it's like, you know, that argument's over. I mean, the book came out five years ago, so I don't really feel the need to defend it. Um, you know, just like, all right, well, there's the awards it's won, so, you know, screw you. If you think it's a crappy book, fine. You're wrong, and here's why. Um, mostly I'm leaving that argument to the film people now. I told them, you know, I, you know, I went through this five years ago promoting, talking about Dahmer. I don't really want to continue doing it, so. Okay. And your most recent book, Trashed, was your actual true story of being... A, based on based my experience, on. yeah, no, it's fiction, but uh, it's based right. on based on my experience as a garbage man. Yeah. I actually like that better. Writing fiction based on experience, I, f I find that to be really uh, a fun way to write. Yeah. 
So is it is it on a kind of Gabrielle Bell level of abstraction? No. no. Or sometimes you know you're seeing exactly what goes on in your life, but then it'll take off every now and then. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, memoir is not something I'm really that comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Uh, my friend Dahmer was a memoir because it had to be. There's no other way to do the story. And so I'm always asked to be on memoir panels at Comics Festival. I've oh, only no. done the one memoir. Right. And, you know, I have to kind of confess, well, it's not really something that I'm comfortable doing. and Don't envision doing another one. And everyone kind of stares at me like I've got lobsters crawling out of my ears. But, it's you know, I, I prefer other forms, nonfiction or, or fiction, to, to memoir. That's right. no, no slam on memoir. There's some great memoir out there. It's just not my thing. Okay, so how did you first, you know, when you were a kid, how did you get into comics? Did you stay in comics? Is it something you came back to? No, did I've always been draw? in comics, yeah, okay. since I was since I was little. I mean, uh, newspaper comics like everybody else, you know, because that came into your house. Yeah. Every day you had a page of free comics, so. And they got smaller and smaller. Right? Well, they were still pretty big when I was a kid. Yeah. I mean, I was in the 60s, so, because I'm an old war horse. Right. Uh, they were still pretty big, and... My paper was uh, the Akron paper. That's the paper my folks got. It had kind of a shitty comics page, actually. It's no Denver Post. It's no Denver Post? Why? Did that have a great Denver comics Denver Post page? still has the best comics uh, section in the country. Really? I'm pretty sure that's been true for a long time. Yeah, good for them. Yeah. Um, yeah, the mine was pretty shitty, but they had Peanuts. Yeah. And so that was, you know, that was the heyday of Schultz, too. I mean, that was when it was the best strip in the world. And I was really taken by that. From there, you know, I found Mad Magazine, probably at age 8. And then at 10, I found uh, mainstream comics, Marvel and DC, particularly Kirby. And, yeah, it really blew me away, and it's been uh, kind of a hopeless love affair with comics ever since. (laughs) Okay. What kind of car do you drive, Dirk? What kind of car do I drive? What kind of car do you drive? We haven't naturally gotten a car, so I'm just forcing the issue. Oh, really? Yeah. Um... I drive a, just a regular Toyota. I okay. Mean, nothing spectacular. Right. I've had some interesting cars in the past, but right now they're just utilitarian. Okay. I live in a city, so I mostly walk. So what's what's Cleveland like? Is it is it just as readers of American Splendor have been led to believe? <laughs> or, uh... Um, eh, you know, Harvey had a certain depressive view of the world. Um, I don't necessarily share that. Um, it's fine. It's a funky town. Um, there's no reason to visit there, but it's a pretty good place to live. Uh, great comics town. And, uh, you know, it's inexpensive. Uh, there's plenty going on. I like it. Obviously, we've been there a while, so it beats, you know, paying uh, 4000 bucks a month for a one-bedroom apartment in, like, Brooklyn, so... Uh, no comment. Yeah. <laughs> Or the Bay Area, right? And uh, so you know, I, I guess I guess I'm there to stay. Yeah, we, we think about moving to uh, Ohio, and then we think about the snow. There is no snow anymore. There's no you snow. Know, global weirding took oh, place yeah, of that. True. Yeah, that's true. I mean, last couple winters have been like you know, it's Nothing. like balmy. It's almost perfect weather now because you know you don't you don't get hurricanes. We don't get any of the other crap that goes on everywhere else in our apocalyptic end times. No. And we just kind of sit there, and everybody thinks we get blizzards every year. It's like, there are no blizzards here. So it's not like Buffalo, New York, where you get the lake effect snow with, like, four We do get lake effect. Yeah, okay. we do get lake effect. Well, Buffalo's like the snow anus of the Great Lakes. Yeah. But, uh, no, Cleveland definitely gets lake effect. But I, I don't think we've had a heavy snow in, like, three years. Wow. I know, yeah, it's fine. 
It's fine. Beautiful weather. The summer is gorgeous. So I could tell comic, you know, young comics creators all the time, you know, don't move to Brooklyn, don't move to L.A. Move to a cheap town with great, a great comic scene, and you can make it. You know, it's easier to make it if if you don't have to pay through the through the ass to just survive. Yeah, Noah Van Skyver moved there. Uh, yeah, Columbus. well, it's that triangle, the comics yeah. triangle, Cleveland, Columbus, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Yeah. And all three have great comic scenes, and all three are just loaded with creators right now, and it makes sense, you know. I thought I would throw Detroit in there even, too, because they don't seem to be a lot of comics creators up in Detroit. There, but Not a lot of comics guys, comics, no. Yeah. They've got a great store, but uh, they don't have. They don't seem to have a lot of creators. It's like Seattle was in the 90s. You think? Um, sort yeah. of. I lived in Seattle in the 90s, like kind of as, as people were moving away. Oh. Um, so it was interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, Seattle got overpriced, too. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you got to kind of stay one step ahead of the, the yuppies. Mm-hmm. It's our, uh, our, fate, our fate in life. But that's okay. You know, the yuppies aren't interested in those old Rust Belt towns, so the arts have really kind of revived them, and comics is part of that. So what's what's the next big thing you're doing, not working on? What, what are you headed to after this? Uh, after this, I'm going to the CXC Comics Fest in Columbus. Speaking of Columbus, that's next weekend. Mm-hmm. I'm a guest there, and we're screening my friend Dahmer, which is kind of kind of cool. Oh, um, okay. Ohio State's my alma mater, so it's like going home for me. Right. Tell Tom uh, Spurgeon we say hi. I, well, we'll or I say hi. Tom, I say hi. Yeah, Tom will be. Uh, Weeping uncontrollably in a corner somewhere as the fest Probably. is going on, but he's done a great job of that fest. It's uh, the guest list this year is killer. Yeah, I, I wish I could make it out there. Um, and every every comics fan should really make a pilgrimage to the Billy Ireland Cartoon Museum at some point in their life. At least for the giant Nancy head. If for no the other giant reason. Nancy head, yeah, it's in McGurk's head. office, I think. Um, yeah. And especially during the festival because they give backroom tours and it's just yeah. like jaw dropping. Um, it's really a national treasure. Okay, so we've been talking to John Durf, back Durf, as Facebook insists he has his name listed <laughs> as, because nothing else is acceptable. It's true. And this is the Alternative Press Expo Special Alt Comics uh, Edition, or something like that. And uh, look for my friend Dahmer in theaters in November 2017. And for what's what else? What's coming up after that? You have a webcomic. Uh, no, that was that's over. That's I over. mean, I'm working on another book, so that'll be a while. So but the film edition, the book. film edition of my friend Dahmer comes out in November as well. Photo cover, right? Photo cover. Photo cover. All right. Cheers. Thanks, man. <laughs>